Hey, Rachel. Hello, Brian. So how was your week? Are you kidding me? I mean, people on the West Coast can't breathe the air. Kids can't go to school. We can't leave our homes because of a fucking global pandemic. And just when you think it can't get any worse, you see there's a Category 2 hurricane hitting the Gulf Coast. And our president is saying that climate change is not real. So I am just beside myself. Just because of that? That's all? That's (laughs) That's all you got this week? (laughs) Well, I got nothing to add. Let's just do the intro. This is Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. Is no, my sign is no, my number is no. You need to let it go, you need to let it go, need to let it go. Okay, Rachel, um, I was gonna ask you if anything interesting happened this week, but I think I know what happened. And I, I think the important thing here is that we've learned over the years <laughs> to be very careful when we talk about our families because yes. they generally do not want us to do so because they think it's unflattering, even though we do it with love, right? Exactly. Correct. This week is the exception that proves the rule. (laughs) (laughs) So I did something very dumb this week. Um, And I'm kind of like just coming out as a disgrace to the Dodes (laughs) slash Dodes families. Family. Why Um, why is the pronunciation different? You're Dodes, but the rest of the family is Dodes. Yeah, um, I think it's just kind of a testament to the fact that the older generations in our family were not very close, and they were so not close. (laughs) It was like they evolved in like on separate islands, and they developed separate genetic traits, separate (laughs) names. So, so anyway, back to the main story here. What happened was I'm working on a piece about uh, Donald Trump's narcissism. And as a result, I wanted to talk to an expert in Donald Trump's narcissism. And that expert happens to be named Dr. Lance Dodez. He's a psychiatrist. He's a former professor at Harvard Medical School. He's an outspoken critic of Donald Trump. And um, actually, he was just featured in that documentary called Unfit. And I recommend that everyone watch it. So anyway, um, so Dr. Lance Dodez, he's always on MSNBC. And people are always like asking me, is that your dad? Who is that? Are you related to that person? And I'm like, no, we don't even pronounce our names the same way. But I knew we were, I said, it turns out like he's my dad's second cousin. I knew he was related to my dad and distantly to me. And Brian, he's also your mom's second cousin. Oh my God. Yeah. And basically he's that same relation to you as AJ is to me. It's exactly. his mom's second cousin. Okay, so that can so be like, close. Not yeah. that distant, you know? So anyway, I wanted to get in touch with Dr. Lance Dodas, <laughs> but I did not have his contact info. So I reached out to Josh Dodas, who is not to be confused with Josh Wartman, <laughs> but he's... And Josh, Josh Dodas is a very uh, talented, like, piano singer-songwriter in the style of Ben Folds, who he once saw live. Yes, we saw him live and that's how we originally got in touch and we're Facebook friends. So I reached out to Josh on Facebook and I said, you know, I'm working on this piece. I would love to talk to your dad. And he was like, you totally should talk to my dad. And he instantly made an email intro. He's a mensch, this Josh Dodas. We love Josh. He's he's great. And Lance responded right away and said, give me a call. I'd be delighted to talk to you. I was excited. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's not every day that you get to interview someone with the same last name as you. (laughs) the world's foremost authority on Trump's narcissism. Exactly. That's exciting in and of itself. <laughs> there were a lot of elements that were very exciting to me. So I, so I emailed him right back and I said, I'll call you tomorrow. 
And here's where I screwed it all up. I assumed that because of his connection to Harvard and because my dad told me that he was from Boston, that he was on the East Coast. <laughs> but no, no, wrong call. I called him first thing in the morning. I woke up with like a spring in my step and he answers in this very groggy voice. And he's just like, um, it's pretty early. <laughs> and that's Wait, what when time, I realized- what here. I I had dialed a California area code and it just didn't register. Yeah, but what time was and it here? Like 9 a.m.? It was around, yeah, yeah. So it was like <laughs> 6 a.m. This retired psychiatrist is trying to enjoy his California life and I'm calling him at 6 in the morning to talk about Donald Trump's narcissism. <laughs> I felt so bad. I wanted to launch myself into orbit. Anyway, he said, he was just kind of like, oh, I'll call you back. And like, and the next day he didn't. I was like, forget it. I fucked it up. But a couple of days later, he did call me back. We had a great conversation. So all is well now. Um, but wow, am I a dummy? <laughs> well, it sounds like all's well that ends well in the dodes. Dotus. <laughs> My grandma Annie like would alternate. She would say dodes sometimes and dotus uh, like later in <laughs> she, life. She was like <laughs> on the bubble. <laughs> Well, she was, it was a different generation. It was a different day and age. They said things differently back then. Okay. So I have a I have a family sort of indirect family story as well. So I uh, uh, I went to see my parents this past weekend, which was a delight. I got to see my parents and my brother. Very nice. We had a great dinner. And um, every time I go to visit my family, you know, I haven't lived in that house for thirty years, but they always find something where they sort of subtly suggest like I should go like get my shit out of there. And I don't know why, how I still have any shit there, but I do. And it's always like there's a- Of course you do. Why, why wouldn't you? Bookshelf. Yeah. Or, you still have stuff at this house. Of course. And, yeah. Of course. Okay, it's yeah. a thing, right. So, but they they always seem to find like some other nook and cranny where I have some like detritus. So they're like, oh, there's this bookshelf with three books on it. Take them um, or whatever. So this time- they were like, oh, we noticed there are some things in the piano bench you might want. Now, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, did you just happen to come across them in the piano? I think they meant well. They were like, you. I think in this case, they were actually, you might want them. Um, They're doing like Marie Kondo. And they finally <laughs> they were came Marie to the piano. The, like, the piano has not been touched in 30 years. And yeah. they're like <laughs> excavating the piano bench. So... <laughs> I go and look at the piano bench, and sure enough, it is like an archaeological dig in there into my childhood. It is fascinating. There is sheet music. The theme from Footloose is in there. The theme from Cheers. Um, a book of Billy Joel for beginners. This is like a time capsule of my musical childhood. And you know, I was like, I played piano from the, the age of six. It was one of my passions and, and yes. still is, right. And then inside at the bottom, I find a crinkled piece of paper, which I have right here, um, with, uh, with pencil writing on it. And it's my handwriting or what used to be my handwriting. And um, there's what appears to be a long list of songs. And I'm trying to figure out what these songs are. So I, I scan it, and the first few songs I see are Sitting by the Dock of the Bay, Do That to Me One More Time by the Captain and Tennille, as oh, yeah. the summer music series, and Angel of Morning. Just call me Angel of Morning. That's a pretty oh, that's song, That's a great right? song, yeah. Yeah. And then I'm like, what do these songs have in common? And then I remembered, uh, when I was a teenager, I used to play professionally cocktail piano for, like, 
neighbors who were having cocktail parties or country clubs and things like that. And this, I realized this was my song list, my set list of what I would play there. Oh, so a I set thought was, <laughs> I had a set list at age 15, 16. <laughs> but then it got a little curious because I dug deeper into the songs and I saw things like Call Me by Blondie, Fun, Fun, Fun by the Beach Boys and Funky Town. And okay. uh, yeah, not okay. Like who wants to hear those things at a cocktail party? And then <laughs> I realized like, right? like I had never even been to a cocktail party. Like and I'm, I'm supposed just like to be... imagining funky town <laughs> on like I did a good job of making like Liberace versions of things. Yeah. But yeah. still, that's a stretch. <laughs> funky town, right? Just like not what you want. Right. Right. And I guess this is like, you know, when they like transliterate like Chinese transliterate like American brands and phrases into American, it's like literally the words are correct, yeah. but it makes no sense. That's what it's like. This is like what a 15 year old thinks grown ups want to hear at a party. I guess. So you were making your own set list. Like they I, weren't telling I, you. No, this was, I had like a fake book, you know, which is like a big book full of a million songs and the chords and you, it's just the chords and the, and the melody. And you, if you're a good piano player, you can just make it up and play. Based <laughs> so it's like a bottom up management structure. <laughs> yes, yes. I just sort of page through it. And I'm like, what do I recognize? Blondie, call me. <laughs> oh, okay. And then it gets worse. <laughs> then... I saw the song that was floored me somewhere in the middle, somewhere in the middle of all of this, in the middle of my set list. It is, it is, is the can can. Da, 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 da. So like, what did I do? Did I get up from the piano and do the can can in the middle of like a cocktail party in Port Washington? Or did people at the cocktail party like... do the can can like at an old party? They do the cha cha or they do like a line dance? Like they were they were like having a conversation about politics. And all of a sudden... here, is that the can can? Everybody can can. These were the most raucous cocktail parties in the history of Long Island. They went from like Motown to punk rock to the can-can. Anyway, so that gave anyway. us all a good laugh. It made me want to play this set list, especially the can-can. Um, and that's Legendary. what I did this week. Okay. <laughs> um, well, now that we have uh, no summer music series anymore, uh, sadly, uh, we have time for a, a little extra nope-dom, which is really why we have this podcast in the first place. So um, yes. I know you've been dying to do this one. Why don't you kick it off? Yeah, couldn't come at a sooner time to have more space for nopes. Um, so we're going to talk about the nope of the week, who is um, a man named Michael Caputo. Oh, this one. And who is this, Michael Caputo? What a, what a specimen, I mean, yeah. He, it's, it's hard to keep track of all these garbage monsters. Um, he's currently the Assistant Secretary for Public Affairs at the Department of Health and Human Services, which is overseeing the entire coronavirus response. Does he have any experience in health or of human services not. or being a human? No. Or service no. of any sort. No, he does not. Um, Michael Caputo is a political operative who was deposed by Robert Mueller and was of interest because he used to live in Russia. 
He had worked for Russian <laughs> like, politicians. They're not <laughs> he, even trying to hide this. They're no. not even trying to hide this. No, he was contacted in 2016 by a Russian who claimed to have damaging information about Hillary Clinton, and he referred that person to Roger Stone. We know the rest. Um, so basically, it's not much of a stretch to say that a likely Russian agent is currently the Assistant Secretary for Public Affairs at the Department of Health and Human Services. So what could possibly awesome. go, wrong, go wrong, as, as you said? <laughs> So um, first, we heard the news this week that Caputo and another top aide were working to revise the CDC's health bulletins to paint the administration's pandemic response in a more positive light. They basically wanted to fudge the numbers to make the coronavirus look less bad than it is, which is an utter abomination. And if that wasn't bad enough, he is now urging Americans to take up arms against the deep state. And this is not, this is serious, but it's also so outrageous. Like I can't, I just can't contain myself. So in a 26 minute video that he posted this week to Facebook, um, Caputo made insane accusations that the gov that government scientists were engaging in sedition in their handling of the pandemic, sedition, yes. and that left-wing hit squads were preparing for an armed insurrection after the election. Okay. I mean, I, I could just... Sed sedition is a strong word, and there's only one person that I can think that it applies to, which is our president. Not scientists at the CDC, right. <laughs> whose communication right. <laughs> operation he oversees. So he accused the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention of harboring a, quote, resistance unit determined to undermine Trump. He warned of danger, saying that if you carry guns, buy ammunition, ladies and gentlemen, because it's going to be hard to get. And then he went further, um, and this was probably the only true thing he said. He said, my mental health has definitely failed <laughs> at one point. <laughs> Wait, did he say this as part of the like that like as part, part of, of the rant? rant. Yes. Like he concluded it like drop mic. Like and by the way, <laughs> my, my mental health has failed. If that was state, not obvious. The obvious. <laughs> yes. And so then he started <laughs> then he starts sharing. We should these end every episode of this podcast by just saying my, my mental health, health has, has definitely failed. failed. Yes. We can start think... it like that. People might still listen. <laughs> I think that could be our new intro. <laughs> my my mental health has definitely failed. So so he says that. Then he starts sharing these like paranoiac visions. He said, "quote I don't like being alone in Washington. Shadows on the ceiling in my apartment. They're alone. Shadows so long. Oh my and then God. the craziest oh. part was he urged people to attend Trump rallies, but he said only do it if you wear a mask, which seems contrary <laughs> to yes. the president." messaging about masks and certainly at odds with images from the events. Yes. Um, but no, that was actually not the craziest part. The craziest part is that Caputo apologized yesterday to Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar and to his own staff members for this insane rant. And he wound up having to like shut down his Facebook account because of it. And he said he may take a leave of absence to address his health issues, a voluntary leave of absence. Which but he Azar, did. Today he did, right? He, oh, he did. I, he, I, I don't know. I just read that he might take oh, no, one. No, no, no. I wasn't up. sure if he did. Yeah, yeah. He did? Today, today he did, but it's a, it's a leave of absence until right after the election. So they're conveniently like just pushing him out of the way. But 
do you still type when you introduced it and said that he is employed by and is the whatever assistant secretary he is he's just on a leave okay when it's like when a cop shoots an innocent you know unarmed person and then they're put on leave which is Um, a disgrace right this is this is that this is like administrative desk leave or something like that so it's like basically he's like on a voluntary vacation and probably still a sabbatical a sabbatical sabbatical. so he can restore his mental health (laughs) so but someone said to azar is he going to be fired and he avoided the question and he said i'm not going to comment on someone's personal social media posts that was his response oh, okay good. this is how about coming on someone's employment in your own fucking department right in your I own mean, agency like the speaking the, the communications person speaking for your agency it's not uh, his like instagram yes. account <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. It's uh, I mean, this isn't even the first time something like this has happened this week. You know how I mentioned before when he got that message from the Russian who had information about Hillary Clinton, he he passed it along to Roger Stone. Roger Stone is like a close associate of his and he, you know, his 40 month prison sentence was commuted by Trump in July, you know, in his string of pardons. Well, Roger Stone gave an interview this week to Alex Jones's Infowars, one of the finest sources of information in our nation. Um, And he said that Trump should consider declaring martial law if he lost re-election. So this is kind of like a Kremlin-backed disinformation campaign. Yes. And there are, this is not, this is a five alarm fire. Okay. These, these two episodes are, are they're related. We've already when it had so like many five alarms, but we're up to like 200 alarms. Like how, yes. many, how many alarms can we take before this the is, center cannot hold? Right? The center is not holding. It is, it, it's falling apart. So this is a fucking conspiracy. So I'm just, so just nope to both these people. No, and nope. I, I just, I can't anymore. I just can't. Oh, okay. Okay, okay no, Brian, no. go on. Okay. I don't have anything left to say. <laughs> well, we seldom actually talk about Trump. We usually talk about his, um, his gang of mobsters and grifters around him. But this one does actually have to do with Trump. And the fact that he was yet again, as he was last year, nominated for the Nobel Peace, or the year before, for the Nobel Peace Prize, oh, um, yes. ostensibly for a whatever, f- you know, forging peace between Israel and the UAE and uh, uh, Bahrain, uh, which he didn't really do. It was going to happen anyway. But anyway, so Rachel, I'm a little confused about the like TikTok, the series of events here, because I thought I had the story and then you sent me another link to the story. So maybe you can help walk me through this. So okay. this year's Nobel Prize nomination was by Christian Tibrenkede. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old Christian T. Brankini. <laughs> he is a far white, far right, probably far white also, Norwegian politician who uh, went on the record and saying, can you name a person who has done more for peace than Donald Trump? And of course, the entire <laughs> Trump entourage closed ranks behind him and Kaylee McEnany said, this is a hard-earned and well-deserved honor for the president. Now, um, It turns out that a nomination for the Nobel Peace Prize is meaningless because it can come from any politician in any country. So you could be like a minor member of parliament from Nepal and nominate somebody for the for the Nobel Prize. So it's meaningless. Now, you sent me a headline. This is from The New York Times from uh, February 2018. And that headline is uh, Trump's nomination for the Nobel Peace Prize was apparently forged twice. Uh, 
Okay. Um, I didn't realize that was from (laughs) We're on top of the news. So, okay. Let's just say that let's not get bogged down in that. Apparently there was a previous instance where Trump was nominated for the Nobel Prize twice and they were both forged. Let's move on. I wonder by who? (laughs) By Caputo. (laughs) By Roger Stone. Um, So contemplate the premise of Trump getting the Nobel Peace Prize. So we'll get into, I have a whole thought about the Nobel Peace Prize. I know you do too, but if any Nobel, he should get the Nobel Prize for like literature, for fiction, because he really is our world's, you know, foremost uh, storyteller. Fabulous. Fabulous. That's a, <laughs> that's the right word. Fabulous. But he right? can't even like string a sentence together without well, going no, off he's on like ult- 400 tangents. He's it's the a, ultimate- it's- He's the ultimate unreliable narrator. He's like David Foster Wallace. Or... No, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Wait, everything he says is like 1,500 pages long and requires footnotes and fact checks. But and... it's, I mean, it's beautiful writing and okay. it has like a beginning, a middle and an end. And it's like, I mean, it could okay. not be further from. You can send your hate mail to okay. Twitter at Brian <laughs> yes. Hecht. All you David Foster Wallace fans. Okay. So, but I put it forward that the Nobel Peace Prize is the worst Nobel and it should be abolished. And to me, like winning the Nobel Peace Prize is like winning Best New Artist of the Grammys, which is like the death curse. It's like, no, um, it's like, it's like a, it's a badge of dishonor. It's like, yes, it's a badge of dishonor. It's like a winning an award for like, committing war crimes. Yes. Well, that's what I made a little list here. So previous winners of people who are either terrorists or are Aung San Suu Kyi, who won it as a political prisoner, a a model of uh, political courage, and then went on to be to commit genocide and be a a monster, ignore a genocide that was happening right before her eyes. Yes. Henry, Henry Kissinger, who also oversaw and condone genocide was the uh, was a the monster. winner. Yep. Yes, <laughs> and uh, he, Yasser Arafat, who uh, was a lifelong terrorist and uh, died as a martyr, but he had a uh, billion dollars in his Swiss bank account that he had yes. stolen from the Palestinian people, uh, the long suffering whom he had been, you know, claiming to protect. grifting from grifting, a, a grifter grifting before from. his time. Exactly. Yes. No, he was a role model for <laughs> Donald Trump, right? So those are just some of the greatest hits from the Nobel Prize. Now. Um, what I didn't know in researching this little item is that there have been 19 times that the Nobel Committee has declined to give a Nobel Peace Prize. Um, okay. They just said there's nobody peaceful enough to give a prize to. So I think that this is such a time. This is one of those times. They should just yes. go on indefinite hiatus, right, and just give up the ghost. Like, we don't need this Nobel Peace Prize. Give extra, yeah. give, take that money and give the extra prizes to, like, medicine. We need extra medicine prizes. Give it Correct. to Dr. Fauci. Give an give an extra medicine give an prize. honorary prize to Dr. Fauci. That would yes. that would send a strong signal that science matters. Or yes. if you're going to give the Nobel Peace Prize, give that to Dr. Fauci. Sure. Yeah, but at this point, like, if I if somebody wanted to give me the Nobel Peace Prize, I wouldn't even accept it. It's it's an insult. <laughs> It's it's a troll. Keep your fucking prize. I don't want it. I don't want it. Not that like they're like beating a path to my door. Okay, so you can send a cease and desist order to the Nobel Committee. (laughs) (laughs) 
They should stop who, immediately. Who wants this award? Nobody wants <laughs> no, this award shut except it down. for shut, criminals. Okay. Shut down, no bells, goodbye. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. What do you got next? So speaking of people who should get nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize, <laughs> <laughs> how about Wait, Joe tra- Arpaio? <laughs> Sheriff Joe Arpaio? Now that's, Joe Ar- a, now that's a transition. <laughs> that was a transition. Yes, legendary. So so Joe Arpaio is the 90-year-old former Arizona sheriff, and he's also a convicted felon who Donald Trump pardoned on his pardoning spree in 2017. And now he is um, he's resurfaced as a spokesman for the furry community. <laughs> <laughs> like the people who have sex in furry in like animal costumes? <laughs> yes. You may ask, what is a furry? Oh, some okay. of our listeners might not know. Right. So it's a, it's a subculture. Um, and some say it's dedicated to artistic expression and helping people come out of their shells. And others say it's a sexual fetish um, involving dressing why, up like animals. Why can't it be both? Why not? <laughs> For some, I love. feel like it probably depends on like who you are and love what is you're love. into. Love is love. love. Is- <laughs> fur is fur. Okay. <laughs> so let me explain how Sheriff Joe Arpaio came out as a furry. So like many former... <laughs> associates of Donald Trump. He's on Cameo, where for $30.99, I'm not sure how he arrived at that price, anybody can get a video message from Joe Arpaio saying whatever it is that they want him to say. And so most of his Cameos are these like normal, whatever, birthday greetings, thank you messages, congratulatory moments, mazels, what have you but there was one that surfaced on social media this week that was different um and here's what he said in the video which appeared to be shot in an office from 1972 okay he said quote hey good luck organizing the arizona furry convention i've always loved animals fought those that abused animals and will continue to do so As far as what animal I would like to be, I'm kind of partial to dogs, but I love all animals. Have a great convention. Thanks. Okay. So do you think he knew what, he didn't know what furries were. He thought it was just like an animal charity or something. Yes, I think so. But um, there was a furry convention. It's called (laughs) Arizona Fur Con, and it's an annual event. Of course there is. They dress up in elaborate costumes and they take on fursonas. As in person. I like that. Yeah. No, yeah. Personas. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, some journalists wanted to investigate like who was behind this and the requester listed on Arpaio's cameo seems to have been an earnest member of the furry community because his username was Sir Yifs a lot. Y-I-F-F-S. And I didn't know what YIFS means, but we're learning a lot of terminology (laughs) today. Um, YIF refers to furry-related sexual content (laughs) or activity. Like a GIF or JIF, but a YIF? No, but like kind of like Arpaio's sign off, like I like to be a dog, you know, oh, okay. and so it's like sexual. It's like a yif, sir yifs a lot. It's he likes to <laughs> yif. Makes, I'm not, I will nod my head like I I'm, I'm not, I do not. I'm trying to convince myself. <laughs> you can tell I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, so a reporter for the Arizona Republic reached out to Joe Arpaio and he distanced, he, he decided like he's going to distance himself from the furries. And he seemed convinced that um, this whole thing was all about animal welfare, it was all in good fun. But was even crazier was that he tried to position his own um, being on Cameo as something he does to help people. Mm. Um, and like most people in Trump's world, he had an outsized view of his own market value. So here's a quote from him. I get these requests all the time. People wanting me to say happy birthday, this and that. I think I've gotten over 240 already. With my popularity, I could charge $1,000 for each one, but I only charge 30 so I thought it's, that was uh, pretty out. like like Tadaka, like he's like, uh, he's he's a mensch. He's really <laughs> like wake up, Joe others. Arpaio. No one's paying you without. No one's paying like a ninety-year-old convicted felon a thousand dollars to say. He's a national birthday. treasure. He's a national. I can't treasure. believe anyone pays thirty dollars, but I guess if you want him to be your furry <laughs> spokesman, you have that's you a have premium. To pay you up. have to pay a premium for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, I'm glad you brought up animals because this, our final segment, is not only about animals, but it's in the fine tradition of one of our great themes, which is animals and humans should not mix. And we used to do yes. a lot of these segments and we were distracted by the state of the world, but I'm here to say we're back. Um, and it's timelier than ever. So COVID has had a big impact, not just on our world, but on the animal world. And um, in some mostly ways, positive, mostly positive. It's good. Like the wilderness is being left alone and pollution, like car pollution is going down. But in fact, it is not uniformly positive. It has impacted different animal species in different ways. So what I decided to do, and this took a lot of research, I, I went back into our archives, I did some original research, and I decided that this would be the opportune time to do uh, the NOPE COVID Animal Awards. And oh. I have nominated three winners and three losers of who the winning animals are and the, who the losing animals are. Am I the from judge? The COVID crisis. Yeah, you're, <laughs> this is like American Idol, but there's two you No, know, it's like the Nobel Committee. <laughs> <laughs> These animals should win Nobel prizes. Okay, go on. Okay, so, I'm excited okay, to hear. So Who are the nominees? <laughs> and the nominees are dogs. No, we're doing the winners. And then the category of winning COVID Obviously animals. winner. I don't even need to hear the other two. Dogs won COVID. Okay, you have firsthand experience. Give me the case for dogs being the winners. You have firsthand experience. I mean, all dogs want is to be constantly pet and for everybody to stay home and to pay attention to them all day. So Dogs this is custom it. made. They may, they may have manifested COVID. They manifested um, it. They did. They did. I know this. I know. <laughs> Dogs are winning right now. Okay. They are. Yes. Okay. Um, the second nominee for best COVID animal <laughs> is uh, sheep. And I will oh, the Welsh defend these sheep. because yeah, yeah, in yeah. Wales, right? So uh, the Welsh sheep are normally on their hilltops, but there are so few people in the villages of Wales, one in particular, that they are now roaming the streets. It is delightful. They're, I don't know, They're eating the garbage. They're beautiful. They have like long horns. These are like the species that have the like long horns. I don't know what they do. But um, so sheep, the, the, specifically the sheep of Wales, Welsh sheep. Okay, okay, that's number two. And then the final nominee for best 
animal of COVID are <laughs> llamas <laughs> okay. who have been catapulted into fame due to their cameo appearances on Zoom calls. If you recall that oh, right, segment we did, right? right? So, but they're not on Cameo. <laughs> not on ca you couldn't have to like it spit at you on Cameo. <laughs> I like... bet you could pay more for that than for Joe Arpaio. Right. So uh, remember there was like a petting zoo that allowed you to rent out uh, yes. like animals to come the and farm. be on your you, Zoom. You can, yep. yes, yes, a guest zebra or whatever. Right. And, and I don't think they had zebras on the farm. It wasn't a zebra farm. It was a llama farm. But uh, if I recall correctly, okay. Um, usually you're the one who remembers the segment. So I, I forget, don't know. But I remember yeah. this is seared in my memory. So, okay. So the, uh, the nominees are for best animal of COVID are dogs, Dog, sheep, sheep, and llamas. Dogs. I, I, I could have told you that five minutes ago. Dogs. <laughs> okay. no, definitely dogs. And the winner is uh, La La Land. No, dogs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Moonlight. Now we're going to have, now <laughs> okay. we're gonna have uh, the category is uh, the worst, the losers of COVID. The first nominee for worst loser of COVID is rats. Rats um, are losers of COVID, yes. Well, they're correct. losers on a good day, right? Um, and we talked about the fact that all the garbage from restaurants is that no, the restaurants aren't open, so they've become cannibalistic. They're eating each other. I have to tell you this quick personal story. So um, uh, I've been running on the West Side a lot, and I sort of come back just as the sun is setting. And uh, what's it called? Crepuscular which is dawn and dusk at rats are crepuscular. Mm -hmm. um, and I've forgotten that wrong. I'm sure I'll hear about it on Twitter. Um, and uh, so sunset, and there's one block near my house that is the rat capital of Tribeca. And mm -hmm. all the like local bulletin boards are all about, oh my God, I see a rat at so-and-so. They were 10 feet long. And I'm like, I'm terrified of rats like most people are. So I decide I'm gonna walk in the middle of the street um, because they dare not come there. And uh, I was exhausted from my run. And so I'm walking there and I get halfway down the block. I'm like, there are no rats here. I don't know what they're talking about. And then two of them dart out. And, and part of what they're talking about is like, they don't just like hide and like, they always say, oh, they're more scared of you than you are of them. Not no, anymore. They're Not stalking anymore. people. They're, they want to eat your ankles. And yes. these two rats were like chasing each other. And they were coming towards me and I'm like, don't worry, they're going to turn around and they don't turn around. And they're like in the middle of brazenly like inter about to intersect with me. You have never seen me run so fast. I sprinted down the middle of the street to avoid these rats. They were I vicious. They would have eaten me alive. Okay. So rats are the first nominee. The second nominee is bats. Okay. Um, and I actually have a, a little exposition about this. So obviously we know that they started COVID, so they're immediately the villains. Now there is a high instance of them invading homes. And I don't know why, but somehow it prompted the New York Times to do a full article about what, it was like a service piece about what to do when a bat gets in your house, which I mm -hmm. guess has become a pressing issue. Um, and it is very easy for a bat to get in your house. If you have even a little crack in your attic, they say it's common to have a colony of 20 bats in your roof if you have like a mm -hmm. house. And oh, we have they, bats. Yeah. yeah. 
they only yeah, needed there, we have an umbrella in like on the deck and when you open the umbrella there was like a bat that flew oh my out. god and our would, neighbors had a bat in their living room i would just, like, i would faint around. i would faint yeah so they only need a half inch like under your door to get into your door or your even your apartment and three quarters of an inch two bats so they do like an faq a bat is in my living room how do i get it out and the answer they give is not comforting. And in fact, it's the exact opposite of what I would do in the situation. The first piece of advice they give you is do not hide in another room. That's exactly what I would do. I would hide in another room. I would like shut the door and never go in that room again. But Steph Stronsick, the president of the Pennsylvania Bat Rescue of Cuts Down Pennsylvania, says if you do that, you might lose track of it and therefore be unable to deal with the problem. And then there proceeds a list of very complicated instructions where I would just be shrieking in panic. I would be unable to follow them. The instructions are thus. Dim, but do not turn off all the lights in that room. Isolate it in one room, which means either closing the door in the room they're in, but staying in that room or trapping them in another room. Yeah. You keep on the outdoor lights and open a window. And this, of course, presupposes that you are in the room with the bat, which I would be unable to be. Um, if it doesn't leave on its own, try using a box or a net to capture it. Okay. That's what our neighbors did. Okay. Who has a fucking net, a bat catching net? Like, what are we, like lepidopterists? No, like they, they had a, <laughs> like a tupperware container and trapped it in it and then like covered it with a plate and the bat was like flopping around and yes. screaming and it says Do, don't be surprised if it makes a chittering noise that's their way to show their displeasure yes. um but they say once you have it on the ground you have the upper hand because they cannot take off from the ground or the floor they ha they need to drop from a height of five to eight feet to become airborne so they are basically trapped if you can get them on the floor. But that presupposes that they're on the floor. So how do you get them on the floor with the net? So now we've got a it's like door. Bat on, it's like bore on the floor. Bat <laughs> like on, the on the floor. Soap on a rope. Like, <laughs> how do you get this bat on the floor? So I see a bat. I have like, I'm panicking. Suddenly I'm supposed to lock myself in the room with the bat, go open the windows, turn off the, dim the lights, turn on the outside lights, find a net that happens to be in the room that I'm locked in or a Tupperware container, no. trap it on the floor from the ground, wait for <laughs> it to exhaust lucky, itself. <laughs> it'll scream and flap around and, and go crazy. In the thing, right. And then, and then once you've got control of the situation, you're supposed to, I don't know, slide a piece of cardboard under it. And then you want to um, ideally release it at dusk near a tree it can climb so it can be safe i don't give a fuck if it's safe like oh, if no. you got into my house just get just out die. of my house just get out of my house okay so which is all a long way of saying that bats are a nominee for worst animal of covid yes and the last one this is a little bit of a stretch um are spiders um and there's been a story circulating that um spiders are taking over cars to the to the extent that like your car is basically made of spiders and i dug <laughs> okay okay i don't and... think i've ever seen a spider in my car but... <laughs> well there it's made that's that's because they they camouflage in because it's actually made of spiders um and it would make sense because people aren't driving their cars as much they're sort of idling around and it's a perfect habitat for spiders i guess that would be the... the best place to make a <laughs> Nest. A nest? Web. <laughs> Web. I don't know. <laughs>
But it turns out this is one of those internet stories that like got recycled and perverted somehow. In 2011, there were reports of Mazda 6 sedans that were overrun with yellow sack spiders. And it was for complicated reasons, biological reasons, like the reason that they like cars and it has something to do with like hydrocarbons in their cuticles, like they're made of cuticles. And there's some, I don't know, that's something that attracts Wait, them what? to cars. Spiders are made of cuticles? <laughs> yes, yes. It's like the same. Okay. This, no, I think. Cuticles are made of. It's and like they, a protein? It's yes, like this, yes. Okay. And they, yes. And they chitin or whatever that's called. And chitin, like your nails. Chitin. Chitin. Thank you. Yes. And um, you've made Chemistry major. Yes. Right. <laughs> Social studies major. <laughs> Ask me about Durkheim, I can answer. Ask yeah. me about spiders i don't know whatever okay, okay spiders so they spin webs in the fuel lines they did a hundred thousand recall they had to retrofit spider blockers that they made um and that was the real story but anyway it gave spiders a bad name it raised the specter of spiders taking over our cars so that can't be a good thing so they get a nomination as well they get a, a nomination bit. they okay. get a nomination okay so to recap the nominees for worst animal of covid are rats Bats or spiders? What's your what's your pick? I I think we have to give it to bats. I we give it to bats to. also. Yeah, I give it to bats because they were there at the onset. They were the cause of all of this, and then they're only exacerbating it. They're just yes. making it worse by doing. They're a they're clear kicking and... us when we're down. They're <laughs> right. taking they, advantage of our weakened state, and they, they set are... they set this yeah. into motion, and now they're taking advantage of us. So bats. You get the nope. You are you are the weakest link. You are the worst animal of COVID. Animals Please pack your knives and go. And go. <laughs> animal, the, the tribe has spoken. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. Okay, that was really fun. We haven't done that in a while. So um, okay. we've never done that. We've never given out an award before. Okay, no. so uh, now it's time for the yups. These are the little rays of light, the little beacons of hope that got us through the week. Uh, Rachel, I would love for you to start. Yeah, so there wasn't that much happening this week that was very positive. Um, it was terrible. There's no denying it. And uh, the yups were really hard to find. But I will say that adding a fresh sprig of dill to a salad really will brighten up any dark day. Um, and to make like butter like, noodles, like a braid, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> right. To any stew or braise. <laughs> like a blank canvas. Okay, so you take tomatoes and cucumbers, a little lemon, dill, olive oil, a little feta cheese. It's an end of summer delight. That's all I'm saying, dill. Yeah. No, and I um this uh tallies with something that I said. You remember one of my yups was uh the smoked fish from uh Nordic Preserves in Essex Market. Oh, yeah. where I've been going up crazy with like smoked you know, salmon and sable and whitefish salad and everything. You've been and like spending all your savings. All my on all my fish. discretionary <laughs> income goes on smoked fish. And dill, of course, is like a key element there. It goes on everything. Yes. And I've promoted the dill. You know, you have a few spices that you keep out because you do it all the time and the rest go into like the archive in the closet. I promoted dill from the archive onto the countertop because I use it so frequently now. I think it's it's delicious, but I really think that fresh dill from the market just really like adds. Well, we all don't live more. in Long Island paradise like you do. And oh, you're to... in like a dill free zone. I'm in a dill in, desert. In the... <laughs> <laughs> I have to okay. resort to the, to the last refuge dried of dill. <laughs> dill. Dried dill. 
<laughs> okay, and very briefly, my up goes to Scientific American Magazine, which uh, yes. I've been reading since, uh, Not to, this is not a humble brag, I was reading it in eighth grade because our science class got one complimentary subscription to it, and they like asked us to like read articles and summarize them, and I, it was a pleasure. And now I, I get it as part of Apple News Plus, and I actually read it, and it's a great magazine. And um, this, this uh, year, for the first time in its history, they endorsed uh joe biden for president and uh you know i can't think of a less political magazine than scientific american and yet i can also think of a less political discipline than science and when someone like trump attacks their very their very premise for being of course they should endorse uh, of course they joe should biden. they did the right thing and um yeah if you believe in science so subscribe to scientific american okay <laughs> This okay. has been a terrible, terrible, particularly terrible week, but really this bad. also a particularly fun podcast. I really enjoy this episode. Yes, okay. I did too. I hope if, you did as well. If listeners. you did, please rate, review, subscribe. We've been getting some great reviews. We appreciate them. Some great yeah, shout outs on Twitter. We appreciate those. We are at Rachel D at Brian Hecht on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Um, thank you for listening. This has been Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. 